The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. In case you can't tell, I am Sarita the Edge Edgerton, and I'm hosting today. I'm so excited. Um, to my left is Cherry the Annihilator Lewis, who is going musicless today. Thank you, Sarita. Hello. <laughs> And across from me you guys is suck so bad. It's terrible. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. <laughs> and then right next to him, to my right, is the OG Rick, the Godfather Welch, Podfather Welch. <laughs> See? <laughs> See how much better it is? Did you even introduce Andy? Oh, he wasn't standing there, so uh, I forgot no, about I him. Slipped her mind. Hell, even and Andy's behind here. the glass is Andy, Rocketman Bishop. Pacal. All right. By the way, on our Halloween one, when you did that Pacal song, that was deep. That was. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was there, like, oh, there may have been, uh, there may have been. Some enhancement? Yeah, some mm-hmm. enhancement of foot. <laughs> well, y'all, I am so excited. Um, for our testimony today, I have quite possibly my bestest friend in the whole world, besides my husband, uh, Janita Pace, with us. Um, I don't even know how to introduce her because I love her to death and could talk about her for the whole hour myself. But I want her to talk about herself. But she is a published author, which I was so tickled to find out. She wrote this amazing devotional called The Healing Names of Jesus, which I have given to our cast members. Yes, and and, and you Thank have you. signed it, Janita. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. That is so kind. We know somebody famous. We, we know do. lots of people famous. But yeah. I'm so excited. But she has just been a dear friend to me. I think I was trying to count up the years. About 15, 16 years we've been friends since our 19-year-olds were about four, three or four years old. so, um, And we kind of met by fluke, so that might come out in our testimony. But she is the wife to Tim Pace, and she's the mother to Matthew and Carter, who are amazing young men, who I'm trying to get Carter to marry Ella, but that's not working out quite <sighs> well just yet. The arranged marriage thing is we not love coming us back. Ella. In- we love us some Ella <laughs> yes. around here. They love Ella. We do. Janita loves Ella, too. We love her. Who doesn't love Ella? I mean, yes, yes, for sure. Well, make it happen, Janita. Come on. I still, uh, (laughs) I just want to go back to, I would love a podcast where they just invited somebody on and then talked about them in front of them for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay, so besides the personal thing, she is... She's got all these letters behind her name where she has master's in education and she's a licensed uh, counselor and she lives in the cold Midwest of Minneapolis area and where they see more snow than I think I have in my whole lifetime in one year. And uh, But she's married to a Southern boy, so uh, mm-hmm. who's a pastor and also an amazing <laughs> man with an amazing story of his own. Hmm. Um, they just have quite the testimonies between the two of them. So, Janita, I'm going to turn it over to you. But our first question that we always ask every testimony is, 
to the best of your knowledge, when was the earliest mention of Jesus in your life? Wow. That's a great question. That's Rick's question. I can't take credit for that. Uh, well, Rick, and by the way, I, I, if I had known you guys had all these superhero names, I would have come up with one for myself. But anyway, um, you know, I think. I, I was, was going to say Janita faster pace, but, you know. It, it depends. It depends. What's What are all the letters for? Like, what sort of degrees do you have? I think that's kind of important in a superhero name. True. Just knowing kind of what your, your deal is. <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. You know, all those letters. But you know what's so amazing about being a follower of Jesus is you suddenly realize that Jesus was, um, you know, his earthly life. He chose to be a homeless carpenter. So mm-hmm. I think we're all doing pretty well. But. <laughs> that's a true <laughs> statement. That's a true statement. But um, I think, you know, when I was young, when I was eight, my family first started talking about Jesus. But I think that Jesus didn't become real to me until I was about 18. I think there's a point where you either go on and meet him because you want to, or you don't because your parents made you and and you decide to leave. So I have to say, I think I started carrying my own faith when I was about 18. Yeah. All right. That's good. So you grew up in Bloomington. Is that correct? Yeah. And for those of you that don't, I've never been to Minnesota, but you like Star Wars. I'm living in Hoth, if that's how you can, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm living on the planet where animals die in the cold. I mean, that's just where I'm living. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you grew up there and you have siblings. I do. I grew up here. I have two brothers and I have one who um, is local here with me and one who's in the military in Okinawa. So. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Carl's awesome. Yeah. He's the baby of the family. And even though he's a big, bad Marine, who's a, you know, captain, I still call him baby. So sorry. (laughs) Carl. I'm sure he appreciates that. Well, I know he does. <laughs> okay, and so you grew up pretty normal family? Yeah, you know, we like I said we growing up, I mean, we had a very uh, very healthy family and Carl got was adopted when I was about 11 and from Korea and um so our family just finally felt complete, um wonderful upbringing, um but I I turned when I got into middle school, high school, Um, I started struggling with um, health issues and my doctor gave me an unlimited supply of a drug that turned out to be addictive. And so I went into having a prescription drug addiction pretty young, carried that into college and um, didn't think I had a problem until I met Tim Pace, who said, hey, I I think something's not right here. So what drug was it? It was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And can we have some? (laughs) Just kidding. It just seems kind of material to the story. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, That's Andy for you. How do you say it? Like, I wish I had street lingo so I could just like keep ripping. Like, what are we talking about? C's and D's yeah, and yeah, Kalapins. Exactly, and, exactly. <laughs> and where did you get it? Yeah. Oh my Benzos. Oh, what doctor was this? Exactly. Yeah. Is he still practicing? <laughs> well, does he do Telemed? Yeah. Is it a sensitive issue? What drug it is? Oh, no, I was just, I, okay. I interrupted just, him with saying, just, I wish I knew funny. the drug it just, lingo. It felt like it was being avoided, and you're just like, uh, What I, are you talking about, Kalanapins, uppers, downers? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's <laughs> a, what movie are you referencing? That's the thing. There is a movie. Yeah. I just can't remember what it is. <laughs> Sorry. I love, yeah, no, no, you guys are, I, I'm loving this. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how, when you start to get, huh. you know, I'm sure all of you have stories where, you know, you, you think everything is great. And then you look back on your childhood and it's not that anything was super catastrophic at that time. It's just, you see things that kind of like a foundation that starts to crack and you don't notice the cracks until suddenly things start to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when was that? When Tim said, Hey, I think there's something not right here. Yeah. So we, we, um, we got married and he started saying, I think you really need to, you know, this muscle relaxer that you're on, you, you know, you're overusing it, you're using it for the wrong things. Um, so Tim, I mean, now he looks back and this was a mistake, but he decided to just flush all of them and make me cold Turkey quit, which looking back, that was not the, probably the way to go. And without that, there's definitely a lot of drugs that uh, muscle relaxers are, are they benzos? No. No? Yeah, because benzos, I know, you can't cold turkey. No. Mm-mm. So there's something yeah. you can't. Yeah. 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 And for me, it wasn't even, I think that for me, it was, I would just take these pills when I started to feel nervous and they would just relax me. Mm-hmm. And the the underlying issue was I didn't know how to deal with stress. I didn't know how to deal with anxiety because I'd had, they'd, I'd had drug, you know, this prescription to just kind of help me calm down. And so as as my life got more and more um, difficult, we had a lot going on at that time in our lives. Um, I spiraled into a really deep depression and it happened so fast that I look back and I know it was biological too, but man, I started thinking things like Tim would be better off without you. Um, you are not contributing to society. Um, you'd be better off dead. And these thoughts just, I mean, they got so dark and so quick that there was a point where it actually felt like it was more logical to end my life than to stay alive. Hmm. And for, you know, if you haven't struggled with that, that might sound completely um, incomprehensible, but I'm telling you, if, if you are in that dark of a place, you really do feel that way. I tell people it felt like I fell into a well and I broke both my arms on the way down and you're laying at the bottom and you don't know how to get out and you don't want anyone to have to crawl in to get you. And so, because you don't need help. Yeah. I mean, well, and you're aware that, you know, you don't want to not worth it, but you don't want to be an inconvenience for everyone around you. You don't want your problem to be everybody else's problem. Exactly. Like you, you don't want to make, you don't want to make other people you love have to crawl into this dark place and get you out. You start to believe that it would be better for them if you just didn't exist anymore because then they wouldn't have to save you. And so that lie really um, took hold of me. And then I remember deciding that, Yes, I would end my life. And so I waited for Tim to go. Uh, he worked Wednesday night at church. So I waited for him to leave. And I kind of had everything that I was going to do. Um, but he forgot something and he came home. And so he walked in and realized what was happening. And, you know, we both just started crying. I mean, it's I'm sure everyone in the, you know, all of us have had those moments where you just realize your life is never going to be the same. And so he forced me to go to the hospital and I fought him. I physically fought him. He took me there and I was cussing him out. And I was, you know, telling him that he didn't understand what was best for him. And for me, um, when I got to the hospital, they admitted me against, um, against my will, which they should have, but it's scary. And if anyone listening has been to a psychiatric hospital, it is, it's terrifying. You know, even now, years later, it's still, you know, I still remember being so scared and, um, they're pretty universally known to not be very good institutions. I mean, not even just the experience, but the institutions in in the U.S. are kind of on the shoddy side for that service. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's the closest thing to prison just because they, they, they don't know how to keep you safe yet until they get to know you. So they I mean, it was it's not funny, but it is funny. I, I remember them taking me and they took away my shoes and I said, why are you taking my shoes? And they said, well, you can't have your shoelaces because you might hang yourself. And I said, well, I didn't think about that. Oh, you can't have toothpaste because you might swallow the fluoride and you can't have a light. And, and I finally said, this is really inappropriate probably, but I finally said to the woman, I'm not creative enough to come up with these ideas. <laughs> like yeah. you're taking everything away from me. You don't understand. Like <laughs> I, I'm too lost right now to even be thinking about those things. <laughs> not to mention um, everybody's shuffling around with really bad breath in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know oh what I'm saying? goodness. But it's, and I remember being so scared and I couldn't sleep and they let me have my Bible. And so I didn't even know what to read. I was just flipping through the pages. And there's this Psalm, Psalm 121, where it talks about that God watches over us while we sleep. He never leaves us. Um, We can look up to the, the mountains. Where does our help come from? It comes from God. And I just read that over and over every day for 10 days. Um, constantly. And when I finally got out of the hospital, I went home and of course, everyone had heard what happened and they were trying to reach me and I had all these messages. And, um, but one message just hit me because it was a good friend, Steve, who was a professor of mine in college. And he said, Janita, I don't know what's going on. I heard that you're not in a good place, but I just felt really inspired to read this Psalm to you. And he read Psalm 121. Hmm. I know. And it was just, you know, it, it was just one of those moments where you think, okay, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen, but there must be something to this. Like God is still here. God is doing something. And so Steve had his wife, Pat, um, came to mentor me and, and Pat, um, very short, very, I mean, very feisty woman. I didn't want to see anybody. And she basically just said, well, I'm coming. So, (laughs) so you have a history with people who just barge themselves in on your life. Don't you? I'm speaking about myself. (laughs) And she just, um, she called me and say, are you out of bed? And I would say, no. And she'd say, okay, I'm coming over. So she'd come over and um, what I loved about her is instead of preaching to me or giving me a lot of books or being like, you just need to pray more. She was being a very practical hands-on love for me. Like, Hey, let's get you out of bed. Let's get, you know, it's time for a shower. Um, She would read, I mean, she would tell me Bible stories or she'd pray for me, but um, she understood why I was frustrated with God. Um, And so she started mentoring me and we, you know, saw each other every day and about, um, Three months into, no, not even three months, three, more like four weeks into her mentoring me, Tim called me and said, hey, uh, Pat died suddenly last night. And I was just, I was angry with God. Like you, you took my person, you took the one person who seems to understand this and you took her and now what do you want me to do? And so I was crying and I put my shoes on, decided to walk down to our mailbox, which was down the street. And, um, when I got there, I opened it and there was a card from Pat that she'd mailed the morning she passed away. And in it, she wrote, Janita, I'm going to write this down because you never believe me. God's going to use what's going on with you. Like this story is not finished. And I know you don't think there's a purpose, but there is. So it just felt like, oh my gosh, it felt like a card from the other side. Just, just a reminder, a written reminder that there was a purpose for this. So we decided to move to Minnesota. Um, I mean, when does that happen? I mean, think I, about I, it. When does this happen? Like, it, you, I was thinking about your husband, Tim, who 
suddenly had forgot something and had to come back. Uh, yeah. Again, if he didn't come back, then sure. where's the story go? We know where yeah. it goes, right? So that happens. And then this person that's mentoring you, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's gone and you're upset, but then you get a card and she mails. <laughs> I mean, how many signs do you need? Right. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's in it. That I mean, I love that you stopped and just captured that because it felt like. I'm in the midst of this just blackness and I keep getting these flashlights that kind of lead me that there's still, there's still room ahead. Like we still keep going. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to look back and realize that's just miraculous. And um, of course I didn't believe her that it was going to be worthwhile, but I had the card. And um, so we moved to Minnesota to be with my family and um, I started going to therapy. And as I started learning these skills, I remember telling my therapist as I was learning them, Hey, I think I want to be a therapist someday. And he was like, Oh, that's really cute that you think that, but you just need to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Aren't you precious? Bless your heart. I mean, just the look of like, Oh honey, you're so, Oh, I'm so glad you're motivated. Um, You're basically, you're sitting on that side of the table saying, I can do your job. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how frequently therapists hear that. I know. That's, that might be a part but of it. But she's a therapist. So how frequently do you hear that, Janina? Right? I hear it once in a while. I do. And um, well, I think it's natural. I mean, that's natural. Because and, and you're in you an say, environment. Bless your heart. Yeah. You're <laughs> in an environment where that's the work you're doing. And, and it's about you. So inevitably, it's about interesting. You. <laughs> Right. It and is. so you look at the whole thing and you're like, wow, this whole thing is really actually super interesting and important to people. Yep. It's a natural extension of therapy is to be interested about therapy. Yeah. And when you start getting yeah. help for yourself, yeah. you want to you want to turn that around. When you, know? you see it working. Yeah. yeah. I did the same thing. No, it's totally, totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and I never discount when a client says that because I think when when I look back, my early therapists, although they were kind people, um, there was a period where therapists were trained not to share anything about their personal lives. Mm -hmm. And um, I found that to be very difficult then to trust them because I didn't know them. And Mm -hmm. I was coming into a new, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to become a therapist is I thought, wow, I, I think that it would be nice as a client if I was talking to a therapist who had had depression. That would be very nice. It would help me feel safe. And so I started to realize, wow, there might be power actually in going through this, finding skills, learning how to use my faith, and then being a therapist. And, and so, <laughs> I mean, I'm not blaming my therapist for thinking that was kind of a lofty goal. Um, but what I do love about my faith is that if, if you know the Bible, the Bible is full of God choosing the, unli- uh, the unlikely. He loves oh, to do sure. that. I mean, everybody, I mean, it's just... It's just like American movies. The person that becomes the hero is the one that you don't think is ever going to be able to do it. That's kind of the theme. Yeah, and it really is. I think it's the case for every single every single one of them in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really find a character where they were naturally doing this and then God just used them that naturally that wasn't a villain? No, you know what I'm saying? Not that so. I can think of off yeah. the top of my head. I mean, but. so that's a great point. Good point that you bring up. Maybe John yeah. the Baptist. He was groomed from... Yeah, that's early. a good point. Birth, yeah. That dude ate bugs, man, and wore camel's that hair. That dude ate bugs and honey. How yeah. about you camel's hair is itchy? I bet <laughs> I camel hair is. is itchy. <laughs> we're, we're taking up all of Janita's time talking about bugs. and. I think she's right, though. Like, I'm not, I'm not a depressive person, but I understand that 
there's a level of that I will never be able to understand. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a biblical concept for that is we are comforted. We comfort those with the comfort we've been given. Mm-hmm. And you naturally gravitate towards people who have done what you've done. I, I counsel women who've had abortions. I mean, well, yeah, it's something because you have I've been through with. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard. It's, it can't. It's not that it can't be done. And I'm not a licensed counselor, so let me put that out there. But you know, I try to comfort with the knowledge that I have about mm-hmm. my own uh, heartache and 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 path towards mercy and forgiveness and grace. But, but I I felt exactly like Janita did whenever I was in therapy because I was I came up in that same time Janita where you you couldn't they wouldn't tell you about your personal life and now far removed from it 25 years later I look back and I say, you know, I know two people who are actual therapists. I'm not saying a word of who they are, but I can tell you this much. Those people don't need to be helping anybody. You know? <laughs> it's bizarre. Like to me it's like that's weird. I mean, trained or not, their life is a train wreck, you know, and it's just bizarre to me. Therapists are, you really need to find the, the right, right one. Pro- one. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's All a right, good point so, you make. So Sorry back on your path, you're talking to this person, you want to be a therapist. How does this progress? Well, yeah, I mean, I was working and, you know, it didn't seem like the time that I had to go back to school and, and we had a- When did you, you know, come back to the promised land? Oh, AKA Asheville, North Carolina. North yes. Carolina, yeah. Yes. I thought she was so, talking about like her faith in Jesus yeah, or no, something. I'm talking about the South where it's warm. <laughs> the South. Yeah. Um, so my husband lost his job and we were about to lose our house. It was just this crisis in our marriage and we weren't doing well in our marriage. And um we decided to move back to his hometown because we had an opportunity to to have a house there. And um, we're going to try to start over as a couple. And I think a lot of couples go through those crises. So we moved down there and I just could not land a job. And um, there was a program at Western Carolina University for for master's in counseling. And uh, they're only taking 30 people. And I thought, well, I'll apply. So I applied and I just told my whole story, like addiction and depression, (laughs) you know, like on previous marriage problems. I mean, I just laid it all out there and thought, well, if they're not interested in taking broken people, then I'm out. And, um, they only had like 30 spots and they had like hundred applicants and, um, and they took me, which was amazing. And so, um, I think Western Carolina was thinking in a new direction that maybe we need to have people who are real helping people who are broken. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's how I got started. And it's been, very powerful. I, I, but I still kept my story a secret for years and I didn't share it until just, um, maybe five years ago. A lot of people didn't even know. And I, I felt like I moved forward. Including me. I, well, my, I mean, (laughs) I know none of my, because I just, I moved on and I thought that's not me anymore. And that's not my life. And then there was a period, there's a moment where you just, God kind of was showing me like, okay, it's time now. It's time to bring this out. It's time to use it. But I was scared because you don't know if people are going to receive it. Like, this is a great counselor for me because she had attempted suicide years ago. Or if they're going to be like, this woman has no business being a counselor. (laughs) You know, you don't know which way they're going to go. But I've been surprised how many people feel that it's actually very helpful. Um, Who did I call when my son was in the same position? That was you. Because I knew you knew. And she got me with the right therapist. And now he has looked at his 
and he has said, I'm going to be a therapist and he is going to go probably to Grand Canyon University has one of the greatest therapists counseling programs and hopefully and, and go there and do that. So, but I knew who to call because she had shared her story with me. That's beautiful country up there. I'm curious, uh, Janita. So would you say from your, because I'm, I'm talking from a personal and a professional perspective in regards to suicide. Do you feel like as a therapist, knowing all of the, the things that you learn as a therapist, that having the personal side of it, like when you, when you talk to somebody, do you bring in that? Do you say, I know how that feels. I've been there. And do you recognize what those people are saying when they're in that position? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm able to come close to them in that moment and be able to identify that. I know exactly what you're feeling. Um, and it's been helpful you know, to have it where they don't even really have to be able to articulate it for me to know. Hmm. I mean, there's times when I just look at them, they look at me and we just know, we just know what it feels like. We know it feels like to be that hopeless. And sometimes I can articulate it for them um, because we're on the same page. And I think I'm not, I'm not judging other counselors. I think sometimes other counselors, if you haven't been in that place, it might be a little harder to understand. Or um, I went to a therapist, this training a few years ago. And I remember sitting in the audience and the therapist that was presenting very well educated, um, obviously had been doing it for a long time, but they were talking about people who were suicidal, like there were zoo animals. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So if you should see one, here's what to do. Don't yeah. stare at them in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I thought, well, I, I mean, I'm not judging, but but to be able to draw come here, close come here. to someone. Come here. <laughs> oh come my over goodness. here. Like yeah. call them like an animal. Don't feed the ant. Don't feed the suicidal people. <laughs> oh, geez. Right. And and to be able to draw close to someone and not freak out because you've been there, not panic. And to be able to assure them like, look, and, and sometimes I'll tell them, look, I was right where you are and I'm a therapist now. So dream big. Like the possibilities are really endless on, on you know, what you can do. Can I ask another so. question. I have another question for you. Sure. So you said that earlier that, you know, you had heard about Jesus around the age of eight, but he didn't become real to you really until you were about the age of 18. And then you described a time when you were in college, and then mm -hmm. you described a time when you were married and were having issues with, with like pills and addiction and stuff. And then issues, you know, in your marriage where this, the fact that you, you know, have become an addict to these things. Where is Christ in the midst of all this? Hmm. You mean in, in all the stories? Yeah, like so like in 18, or you was 18 like a salvation experience time, or was that when it became real to you? Like how, how Yeah, great question. I think that I I I grew up knowing Jesus, um believing in Jesus. Then there was a period, um senior year, beginning of college, where I I went the other direction and I just said kind of middle finger to Jesus. Like, I don't want you. Um, you were from my parents, but you're not for me. Kind of went the other direction. And then I got really lonely. And I was at the university of Minnesota at that time. Uh, I was actually a pre-law student at that time. And I met a girl who was in a Christian. Um, she was part of this Christian ministry on campus. And, um, she was really, she was really kind and, and she saw me for who I was. And, um, invited me to just come meet her friends. 
And it's amazing how much that kind of kindness can change someone. Mm. And to have a community say, oh man, we see that you're, you're not fitting in, you're struggling. Well, we'll be, we'll be your friends. And then, I mean, just the power of being loved. It's amazing when, when people love you. Mm-hmm. And so they got me to go to this um, international prayer um, weekend. We're learning about the church all over the world and some of the um, trauma other Christians are facing. And I just left thinking, I don't think I want to be a lawyer. I don't know what I want to do, but I think I want to learn more about the Bible. I want to, I want to do this for me. And so I transferred to a Bible college. So what's the sequence of events with the, uh, how does this line up time-wise to the, the other half of your, to your personal story that you were telling? Yeah. So I transferred to Bible college. What I, I was still using all of that. So, I mean, I was using that drug all through that period, but I can honestly say, I did not think I was addicted. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought I'm just using it and it's just helping me. And it was normal. I, yeah. I didn't think, I didn't think I have a problem. Um, got to Bible college and, um, she went driving to Columbia international and yep. Columbia Columbia international. Yeah. Yeah. Down in the South promised land and driving in on campus. I saw this guy walking with this girl and he was paying such good attention to her. And I said to my mom, I want a guy like that. Like, look how respectful he is. Well, God gave me that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally that guy. I mean, yes. I mean, I wanted a guy like that, but God just gave me that, that guy. guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that guy. I got, I got Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah we still laugh she about She ran that over anymore. and chained that girl up somewhere, right? <laughs> they still hadn't found her body yet. Oh, man. That took a turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been laughing about Sarita's morbid sense of humor all day. You know, that's why Sarita and I are friends. We're, yeah, that's all good. Um, <laughs> you have the same yeah. sense of morbid sense of humor. That's yeah. great. Kill and bury people. That's yes, all it's good. Awesome. It's all she good. Knows some if, real good friends. She knows that if it's necessary, I will help her hide the body. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I know you would. I know you would. So um, we started dating and then we only dated three months and we knew we were going to, I mean, we just knew. So we got married and, but that's when Tim said, yeah, you have a problem. You know, you, this is an issue. Hmm. So thus began the cold Turkey attempt, which didn't work, but, um, and it's not because of Tim, it's not because I married Tim that I went into crisis, but if, if you are newly married, you're going to get married or like there is a big adjustment. And I think a lot of it was my life changed radically, um, you know, in a short period of time and then not having that substance, it all just kind of crashed. So is there, is there like a convert? I don't mean to keep asking questions, but I'm just really curious. The, the, is there like a, all right. So you knew Jesus, it wasn't for you. It was for your parents. Then you've had, you met these people. Now you've made the decision to go to Bible college. Like, is there, is there ever a conversion experience or is this just more of like a translation from one position to the other? you know, kind of sort of over time. Yeah. For me, I think it was slow. It was gradual um, because Jesus came to me in the form of these other people. And, you know, for anyone listening, I mean, when someone shows you unconditional love and there's a group of people that show you unconditional love, you're actually experiencing Jesus, which is powerful. Mm-hmm. So I think about how, those women, um, by just showing up for me every week and loving me, they drew me into the Bible. I started to see Jesus as, um, as he really is, which this unconditional love, this unconditional support, and who doesn't want to be in a relationship with a God who loves unconditionally? I mean, mm-hmm. that that's amazing. <laughs> and so I feel like 
Jesus pulled me towards him using these women. And then once I got close enough to understand who he was, I was all in. I mean, once I understood that I could have a relationship with a God who knew everything about me and still loved me so deeply, um, who was willing to sacrifice himself if that's what it took to get to me, um, that was that was a whole new Jesus that I had never really seen before. Yeah, it's amazing how when that happens, how the changes begin to incur, occur from the inside. Now it starts working its way out from the inside. I love it when that when that moment you can see that in people. I love that. Yeah, it went from like fact knowledge to heart experience. Oh yeah, that that was the trans. You know, that was a transition for me. So mm. yeah. Yeah. Sorry to take you, you all on that aside there. No, that's good. No, and, and, I like that. and part of this is because I know her so well. Parts of the story might be getting left out because I do know her so well. So it's good to ask questions when I may have skipped over something or whatever. But um, fast forward to, uh, let's say you're now living in Hendersonville. You moved down here. So we're going back to that story. You're living um, in the Hendersonville, Asheville area. And Tim is, um, well, so what, how does, and you're in school, so, and you have a child. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, a, and, a baby, a small yeah, child. Yeah, we are, we are dirt poor, I tell you what. <laughs> if you want to be poor, both of you go back to grad school, have a kid. That, that's, that's all it takes. <laughs> that's the recipe for dirt yes. poorness? You want to you break your budget? That You got, there you go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, but but aside, I mean, a side journey that Tim and I have been on um, is Tim has a very rare brain condition, which we found out not long after we got married. And so part of the side journey we've always been on is Tim's had four brain surgeries. He just, um, he he has these major medical issues. And so part of the challenge too has been um, having to be strong when he can't be strong physically. All right. And so, so but before, before you pro- 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 uh, go farther, uh, I couldn't get the oh, word progress out of my mind, but his brain condition is a condition that he should not have survived to adulthood. He has literally half a brain. Yeah. Yes. He so every time he beats me at a board game, I get beaten by somebody with half a brain. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. pretty humbling, but I mean, that's, it's serious. And we kind of laugh about it and joke about it, but the, the progression of this has been so serious and the numbers of brain surgeries and sometimes you're the one holding up the family mm-hmm. because he can't at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of, part of the challenges when we got into North Carolina was we were far away from Mayo Clinic, which is, um, they are just, he's, he's their, um, he's their pet. And, um, <laughs> he's their zoo animal. <laughs> do you want to know? They even sent us, this is so bad. This is, this is when you know your life is not right. They sent us free <laughs> luggage because we come so much. Oh, oh, wow. That is, uh, <laughs> that's bad. That's, that's uh, the frequent flyer program. That is for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, do you want to have that kind of a gift? And it was such a nice, scary moment like wow a nice gesture but yeah a reminder maybe (laughs) as well i mean if you had half a brain you would have got (laughs) too soon (laughs) i just learned i mean i I love when tim and i go to mixers because we won't know people and you know share something no one knows about you 
I'm like, please, Tim, don't do it. Does he do the two truths and a lie? I I have half a brain. And everyone laughs and he's like, no, I I have half a brain. Oh, okay. I bet he likes both halves of that joke. Because there's clearly two halves to that joke. There is. Yeah. The first one is on him and the the second one is on them. That's right. It's a nice turn. It is. It's great. It's a a beautiful turn. And so I think part of part of facing off with depression is there are times when um, you're not depressed just because it's biological. You're, I mean, there's, there's life is hard. You know, you feel like you're getting, I mean, you're under so much pressure and you're under so much um, difficulty. And so again, moving to a place I've never lived with a husband who has um, major medical issues. Um, I mean, needing community and trying to find friends and, again, God, I stumble into a group of women who show me Jesus's love and pick up where the women in Minnesota left off. And again, how cool that God places people just along the path that you find at just the right moment. We met at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. We had a (laughs) Chick-fil-A-tionship. The Lord's chicken. We had the Lord's chicken. I've probably missed out on several relationships. (laughs) Because you don't like Chick-fil-A. I don't like Chick-fil-A. No. No. But yeah, we did meet, and I'm just, I mean, everybody knows that I'm just kind of a bully. I just kind of push my way into people's lives, and I just, that's just kind of what I did with Janita. How can I help you? Let me pick up your kid from preschool. Let me bring you dinner. Let me do these things. And she was like, nope, 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 I got it. I got it. (laughs) And I just kind of pushed my way in like I do, so. Yeah, and that's, God, I mean, he knew that I needed you. I mean, that's. You are the pat people that come in and say like, yeah, you're, you know, I think there's a moment where you realize you're stealing people's opportunity to be the hero. And that's really important to give people. And so, and I mean, not that to add complications, Tim is one of the most, he is literally one of the most accident prone humans on this planet. Mm. I mean, and right after he moved here, he was in a motorcycle accident that broke his collarbone and his other wrist. So he couldn't use either hands their hands. Like he, 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 I mean, I mean, it got to be funny. Like when he wanted to go somewhere, I'd have to strap him in with the (laughs) seatbelt. But then when we get there, I'd forget to unbuckle it. So I'd get out and start walking. (laughs) That's a great way to put him in timeout. There you go. (laughs) I would do that to Rodney on purpose. I guarantee it. (laughs) I was thinking it. You said it. I mean, the man already has half a brain, and then he just adds a little spice here. <laughs> no, I needed Sarita a lot because, I mean, you know, it's like it's like I married a a Chevy that the year that they don't ever want to mention again. You uh, know what I mean? It's like you buy the lemon, but thank you for he, saying that because Ford is the best, and I, <laughs> there's so many fights down here about it. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, get that in there. I just had to get that in Chevys there. Chevys are pieces of crap. Thank you That's for right, t- letting you. us know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Friends don't let friends oh. drive Chevys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I think just, I mean, it's just amazing how important community is. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things I want to help people see too. Well, it sounds you're like not- you're a pretty tough lady though. I mean, yeah, you had a lot of support, but it sounds like you had a lot on you and you've already been through depression and all these other things. So you're now you've got all this going on. You've got a child and you've got your husband. And you're feeling all this stuff, yet you're just you're just doing it, right? You're just doing it. It's, I always find it interesting to see people who have problems, but like so frequently, 
when you have to, when those people have to rise to the occasion, they like, they do with like such incredible reliability that they cannot themselves see. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks like, I just, I can never tell. Is that good for that person? That responsibility, the kind of, I'm going to do it because I have no choice. Is that good for that person or is that not good for that person? I think mm. it depends on the person. Cause well, I think that's the fight or flight, isn't it? And I know a lot of times we can't fly. We can't leave. We I know have people that can't do anything in a group. But oh. alone in a in a group, but alone they they will always solve their own problems, mm. you know. And I, I just I don't know. I think that's it's just it's a weird question. But like, how much does being having no options? How much does that make you? How good is that for you? Or or is it just like fear the whole time? Yeah, answer that question, Janita. <laughs> Personally, yeah, take that, Janita. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. It is. It's you a know? great question. I, I don't I think know that. And I, it probably depends on the human right, being. Right. You can only answer it for yourself. Right. Well, I'm, right. And let's talk about her in regard to that question. You know, I just said that her past, she shows that she has all that. I'm talking, yeah. talking yeah, about you. What, you're yeah. right here. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's here she is. Now she's down here. She has to face it. So, in regard to his question, what do you think? Was it good or was it bad? That's a great question. Does it and help would, you to be needed? Hmm. Well, yes. And I think there's two sides to that. Absolutely. I think that, you know, for people that are struggling, it's really important. If everybody wants to be needed. Everybody wants to have something to, to call their own to have to do. I think for me, the difference was I had tried to do it on my own for so long that there is also a gap where you realize that you can't do life alone. And so, yeah, if you're get, if you're facing off with something, it's good that you have something that is motivating you to get out of bed. And at the same time, being aware that you need, everybody needs help. Everybody needs help. And I don't feel like our culture teaches us that. Oh, like I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. People who they we're don't. Not, yeah. We're not encouraged to, to band together and face life. Um, we're encouraged to, you know, do it ourselves, be that's, independent. That's not our culture for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah pick, your, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. get to work. Which is, which is. A, literally a joke about doing the impossible. Yeah. I want to point out that's its origin, even though it's not necessarily used that way. That thing's origin is a joke about doing the impossible. Mm. That is a joke. Really? Yeah. Pick your pick yourself up by your bootstraps, Rick. I'm getting ready to. Try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's literally, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke it. about doing the impossible. And now we tell people to do it ironically. Isn't that funny? All right, so I do want. I never to... even thought about that. Yeah, it's it's a joke. Never it even literally, thought about it. The origin is humorous. Wow. Huh. Absolutely, hundred percent true. Yeah. So Janita gets this degree that she's been working for. Tim has this job as a pastor at Grace Church over on Airport Road, and you have a job over in Haywood County. Wait right? a minute, you're talking about Grace Presbyterian? Yeah. Right beside the Land Rover place. Yeah. No way! I used to go there. What? But Tim did. Pace was the pa as a pastor there. Yeah. Okay. Do you do you remember um, Dusty McNabb? Well, let me think. What would have been her married name? She was over the art department, the theater department. Dusty. Mm. <sighs> Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. It's been so long. No, we because that was that. Dave Dave Disforge's church, right? Yeah. yeah, and Josiah Bancroft was yeah, there for a while. Absolutely. Yep. Colin Thornley is still a really good friend of mine. Love I went there. Man. I went to that church. They had a wonderful theater department. They were so awesome. Yeah. 
So yes. there you go. So he's got a job there. She's got a great job working with teenagers that she loves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they have this young man as, as a child who was just growing up to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Janita? <laughs> and it's, then, kind of I a, don't... it's kind of a pattern. Pat comes along. She well, does. I... You know, it's... life is good. Something bad. Okay. So yeah. what happens? Yeah. So, so we finally, I mean, we found our rhythm in North Carolina. My husband and I, we fell back in love in North Carolina. We, um, we had built a great community. We had jobs we liked and we loved, we bought a house. And then, um, you know what it's like when something happens in your life and one day, you know, nothing about the disease. And then the next day, you know, everything about it. Cause you Googled it. Take it on. I mean, it's coming hardcore. And and that's what it was. My mom, um, my mom suddenly got what's called Guillain-Barre syndrome, mm. uh, French polio and uh total fluke. But um it paralyzed her complete body. So she was mentally there, but she couldn't she couldn't move, she couldn't breathe on her own. She couldn't, I mean, um wow. and so I flew home and realized like we have to move back to Minnesota because we're all gonna have to help her fight this disease. And so that began months of being at the hospital and seeing if she would survive. And uh, we had to take shifts, be there around the clock because she couldn't, I mean, she couldn't move. So if she needed something, there was no way for her to ask for help. And, you know, again, you're asking God, like, okay, what are you doing? You, you know, you think you're going one direction and you're pretty sure you finally figured it out. And then suddenly you're going a different direction. And so people ask me now, where, you, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm just like, I hope I'm alive. <laughs> I have nothing else to tell you. Great. It offends me. But her mom has made an amazing recovery. Mm. Yeah. Miss yeah, Teresa is How do you recover fire. from that? You like a God's miracle. David Curtis. David Curtis did. Same thing. Wow. Yep. Yeah, she she's she's disabled now, but man, yeah. I mean, we didn't think she would survive. She's and, still a ball of fire. She is, and she is the neatest woman on her birthday because she walks with um, she has braces, and so she, you know, every you you know when you meet her that she has a physical disability. On her birthday, she will take a bunch of five dollar bills. She'll write verses on it, and she will just walk around her neighborhood, meet strangers, give them the money, and tell them her story about how God saved her, mm. and pray for them. That's what she does every year on her birthday. But again, it's really neat to see when you go through something so hard and so terrible, when you come out on the other end, how it just revolutionizes how you see your life. And I've seen that in her. And so the interesting thing is in the midst of it, I was really mad at God. And by the way, he can take it when you're mad at him. He wants to hear your voice. I would tell him like, there's no reason for this. Why are you doing this? Like, you can't do this. This is wrong. And um, he was so patient listening to me tell him how it was going to be. And, uh, as we went along and the months got longer and she finally started to show she was recovering. And then when she finally came out of it, I saw my parents' marriage was stronger than ever. And we moved back here and we've, you know, this is where I ended up telling my story, writing my book. Um, I've seen my sons thrive and actually my younger son, we met him here in Minnesota and adopted him just a few years ago. So had we not moved back and had we not had my mom get sick, none of those things would have happened. Mm -hmm. And so now I think if I had a, if I had a portal to go back in time, I would have to choose weirdly enough to have my mom go through Yambre in order to see all of those amazing things take place. Mm. And so for anyone listening that's struggling, you know, there might be something good coming and, and you don't know. 
And I wish your future self could come visit yourself now to see what God will bring about. But yeah, at the time I, I was, I was not happy. And now I get to see all of the good, but it took a while, you know? And speaking of books, she has written a book called, it's a, it's a devotional, but a book called The Healing Names of Jesus, Find Freedom from Depression and Anxiety. And um, it it goes through, she's also written a Bible study that I've done about, what was it, The Waters? Oh, yeah, um, Overcoming Fear. Overcoming Fear um, mm-hmm. that I've done with, that she sent me. I got to try it out. It was awesome. But Anyway, it's kind of a devotional, uh, 31 days, and it's the Lamb and the Shepherd. It's different names of Jesus, which is kind of where I got my inspiration for the one that we did. I did took some of it from here. Um, but uh, she's an amazing person, and my life is richer because she's in it. And I think she's got another book in the works, maybe? Well, that's that's yet to be seen. I'll have to keep that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But- she's going to write a book about me. <laughs> Crazy people. It's called the Freak of Crazy People. Drawing boundaries with crazy people. Yes. Right. She had, her boundaries are so hard, she had to go to Minnesota to get away from That's me. That's the boundaries. <laughs> hey, I just accidentally opened this book up to page 110. Can I read a, a little bit of this? Listen yeah, to this. Go. Listen to this. Jesus is the Father's only Son. The Father has a love for a Son that is deeper than any love we can comprehend. Much like an older brother, Jesus chose to accept torture and death to pay for our adoption. I love that. It is the greatest love story of all time. I made a mistake in thinking that Jesus' sacrifice ended there, but in a way, his death was only the beginning of his payment for us. Mm. Yeah. And see, it makes me want to keep reading, but I can't. Right. I'll read it tonight when I get home. I'm I can't in wait. it somewhere. You'll have to figure it out. Huh? I'm in it. Oh, you are? I am. All right. Yeah, she's that crazy lady. I'm from the crazy Chick-fil-A. lady in it. I'll be she, looking for you, Sarita. <laughs> and then she said, "It's my pleasure." It's my pleasure. <laughs> and handing me some yeah. chicken nuggets. Well, Janita, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Um, does anybody else have any more questions for her? Other than the final one. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, was going to mention that. I was like, "What about the Billy question?" Yeah. Well, Billy is normally here, and his nickname is Eye Candy. Um, I'll give you an. He lives up to it. Yep. Yeah. Even I think he's cute. He is one but, sexy dude. Even I think he's cute. But he's not here, so Cherry's going to have to ask you the question. Cherry? Okay. So when you pass away, where do you believe you go from there? Oh, man. Okay. Really quick, because I know I don't have much time. I had a dream about this, oh. and it was revolutionary for me. I know. I know. Bottom line is, in my dream, I died in a car accident, and everybody was trying to save me, but I I didn't want them to because I felt so free. And I turned around and I'm walking up this hill, and there's Jesus dressed all in gold with his eyes are fire, and he was jumping up and down. He was so excited to see me, and I think I was shocked because I expected some formal process. But <laughs> the minute he got close to me, he just hugged me, and he's like, "You made it! You made it!" And then he said, "Come, come, come! See what I've prepared for you." And I remember in the dream thinking, oh, this is the place prepared for me, just like the Bible says. And beautiful door. And when I stepped in, it was a it was a forest. And my favorite dog who passed away came running up. And mm. I just stood there. And he said, do you like it? Do you like it? And I said, well, yeah. I just thought it was like going to be a bedroom or something. <laughs> and he said, no, like, I, I, I know you in and out. I've had all eternity to prepare a place 
why would I not put your favorite things in here? Oh. And it was I had a horse and I had and it was waterfalls. And so, I mean, again, I'm not a prophet, but it was the first time that I realized I can't wait to get there. Mm. It's it's prepared for me. I'm excited. So I that can't might be the best see. answer we have ever had. So her, she she goes to a forest with a dog. That's and a where horse. she goes. And a horse. She oh, yeah, loves her horse. Cool. Sounds yep. nice to me. She does horse riding, <laughs> yep. back, horseback riding therapy. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, hey, I don't know where I'll be in five years, but I'm ready to, you know, whenever I get there, I'm going to be, well, I'm going to be right where I want to be. <laughs> well, so. tell, tell the people where they can find out more about you. Okay. So my website is threeriversmn.com spelled out threeriversmn.com. So on there, there's a video about my story and there's resources. Um, and so that's where they can get all the information and links to how to get the book. Again, the book came about because I just wrote down all of the things that I used to survive all of these things that have happened. And then I thought maybe I should publish it so other people can use it. So for $15, you can know all of my secrets. On how I <laughs> what was the name of the book again? The Healing uh, Names of Jesus. The Healing mm-hmm. Names of Jesus. I okay. have one for you. I just didn't give it to you before you closed the door. So, Yes. Oh, is that what the package is? Ooh, gifts. It's in the package. You all, you both have a book in my car also. Okay, awesome. So I love books. Yes, me too. Well, my beautiful friend. She's got a joke. Oh, yeah. Cherry oh. has a joke. What do ghosts pick at? Boogers. Yes. Uh, I'm, that's new. Yes. I've never heard that. What? No? You don't have small children, clearly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You want to hear another one? <laughs> okay. Sure. Yes. Okay. What uses shoes but has no feet? I'm not good at these. <laughs> no, I'm not either. A sidewalk. Oh. oh. Yeah. These are the ones your little girl told you? Yes. I love hearing her. That's her, yeah. That's her granddaughter, Callie? Yes, Callie. Told those What shows. has 18 eyes, 18 legs, and catches flies? Two a spiders. spider? A, sp- a spider. 18 eyes and 18 legs? I don't know. They got too many. <laughs> a baseball team. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's right. And those are the clean jokes that we decided to use for Janita's episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you can't shock me. No, no. No, no, no. no, no. no. She has kids. Oh. Her little brother's uh-huh. a Marine. I mean, come on. Yeah, let's, be, let's be honest. And that's she's a therapist. Yes. You ain't shocking her. No. That's true. <laughs> no, and I've worked, in, I've worked in high schools. You, you can't. Ooh, she yeah. worked in him. Man. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's worse than... Like the Korean War or something, I guess. Yeah, High school. I'm sure. I've heard. I've heard some pretty nasty yeah. stuff coming out of those mouths. Uh, I taught high school as well. Um, mm. yeah. Forget about it. Forget, well, forget about, about it. it. Anyway. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you and see your beautiful face. So they, the people on the podcast can't see you, but they can hear you. Um, oh, well, thanks for having me, you guys. You guys are a blast. And I, I'm, you know, I love hearing your, you guys are fun. I love hearing your superhero names. I'd love to. You know, when you do your women's study, you ought to bring her in. We should do that. Janita, I'm not going to be a part of this women's study. We're going to do some women's studies and she's going to lead it and her and Cherry and Tiziana. And oh. you could bring, bring, come on up in here because I'm not a woman. <laughs> Neither you don't I. identify as one? I don't identify. No. I'll do it for the afternoon when we do the study. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. We need you. You identify as a sound engineer, and we need that. So yes, yes. <laughs> well, well, thanks for having me, you guys. I just what a fun group, and 
what an honor. So, well, give my love to Tim and Matthew, and I guess I could go give my love to Carter. He's in Columbia, so. Oh yeah, and and hey, I know you don't have any boundaries. You'll be down there. I, I could give you. I could give you his class schedule, or you could just send Ella. Just send Ella. I'll send Ella down to find him. Yeah, I texted him. He hadn't texted me back. That's the one you guys want to marry. Yes, send Ella. Send That's Ella. Send Ella. She does have a friend down there, and they've met Lauren and Carter. Have met so. Hmm. They have no idea that they've now made the podcast. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, uh, Rick, thanks so much. Absolutely. Ralph. Good job. Janita, thank you. Andy. She saw me this time. As always, I saw you. You disappeared again. (laughs) Cherry. Thanks, Sarita. And we'll see you next time on the Burroughs of Berea. See ya. Peace out. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Does she know what she's getting into? No, she does. She does. She has no clue. All right. Well, I barely, good. Right. Right. I tell you what. I did one of these shows one time, and I don't think the the guy read the press kit, and so he starts talking about a book that I I didn't write. <laughs> oh, no. Nice. That's awesome. Oh man, this is going to be tough. <laughs>